0: chapter thirty-eight of fairy fingers by anna cora mawatt ritchie this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by kelly taylor chapter thirty-eight the mantua maker's guest around Count tristan's bed were grouped in silence his four nearest of kin waiting for the physician who was to decide upon the possibility of removal the countess sat erect and motionless by her son's head her countenance wore a look of granite hardness as though she were fighting with her grief with spartan-like determination which would not let her admit even to herself that any anguish preyed upon her heart Marie sat at the foot of the bed, mournfully watching the spasmodic movements of his stricken father. They were but feeble and few. Madeleine had placed herself upon the other side of the couch. Her instinctive delicacy prompted her to withdraw as far as possible from the countess. Bertha had softly stolen to Madeleine's side and sat silently clasping her hand and leaning against her shoulder. "'for hers was one of those clinging, vine-like natures "'that ever turn for support to the object nearest and strongest. "'This was the disposition of the group "'when Ruth Thornton entered the room on tiptoe "'and placed a card in Madeleine's hand. "'Did you tell him what occurred?' whispered Madeleine. "'I did, and he still begged to see you.' "'Though Ruth spoke in a low tone,' bertha was so near that she heard her reply and it caused her almost unconsciously to glance at the card say that i will be with him directly said madeleine it is monsieur Bois. i will go with you murmured bertha rising at the same time as her cousin the countess did not move her eyes but maurice turned his head to look after them Madeleine could never pass from his presence without his experiencing a sense of loss which inflicted a dull pang. Monsieur de Bois had been ushered into Madeleine's boudoir. He had not anticipated the happiness of seeing Bertha. When she entered his start and flush of joy and the gently confident manner in which he took her hand and drew her towards him might well have surprised Madeleine. But that surprise was quickly turned to positive amazement, for Bertha's head dropped until its opulent golden curls swept his breast and, and, if we record what ensued, be it remembered that constitutionally bashful men, stirred by a sudden impulse, have less control over their emotions than their calmer brother's. And in another second his own head was bent down, and his lips lightly touched her pure brow, just where the fair hair parting ran on either side in shining waves. Truly was that first kiss the chrism of love, which love's own crown with sanctifying sweetness did perceive gaston's ideas of what amount of tender demonstration punctilious decorum permitted a lover had finally undergone an alarming modification through the corrective influence of the social atmosphere he had inhaled during the last few years in his own land the limited privileges of an accepted suitor do not extend thus far until the day before a wedding-ring encircles the finger of a bride is it on this account that the parisian mrs grundy dreading some irresistible temptation never allows affianced lovers to be left alone Bertha's conceptions of propriety must have been in a very unsettled state, for, albeit, to her brow the ruby mounted, that first kiss seemed to her to lie there as softly as an invisible gem, and she did not withdraw her head, nor look up reproachfully, nor utter one word of chiding. Gaston noticed Madeleine's wonderstruck look and said, "'You did not know, then, Mademoiselle Madeleine, how happy I am?' Then Bertha escaped from the arm that encircled her and, nestling in her cousin's bosom, faltered out, "'I was so much troubled about cousin Tristan that I could not tell you.' "'One of my most cherished hopes has become reality.' returned Madeleine fondly. Monsieur de Bois knows how much I have wished for this consummation, and I think you have known it, Bertha, ever since you made me a certain confession. What? Mademoiselle Bertha confessed to you and kept me in ignorance, cried Gaston reproachfully. I did as I would be done by an old rule that wears well and keeps friendships golden. There was a significance in Madelaine's look, comprehended by Gaston. It warned him that any confidence which she had reposed in him must be sacred, even from his betrothed bride. Dr. Bayard was announced, and Madelaine conducted him to the chamber occupied by her suffering guest and withdrew it strikes us that madeleine's interpretations of the rules of decorum must also have suffered by her residence in america for she very coolly left the lovers to themselves and passing through the dining-room walked into the garden when she re-entered her boudoir she found gaston and bertha conversing as happily as though no sorrow found place upon earth or certainly none beneath that roof but since the world began lovers have been pronounced selfishly forgetful of the rest of mankind we have our doubts however whether their being wrapped up in each other deserves so harsh a name as selfishness since that very closeness of union renders souls richer and larger and gives to each additional powers to receive and communicate happiness, while thoroughly selfish people lack the capacity to impart good gifts, and are content with being recipients. Madeleine had just seated herself opposite to the lovers, and was thinking what a pleasant picture to contemplate were those two radiant countenances when Maurice entered with the physician i fear sir you look upon my father's state as very critical very replied dr bayard who was a man of such acknowledged ability that he could afford to be frank without being suspected of a desire to magnify the importance of a case under his treatment apoplexy may be produced by various causes hereditary disposition high living or anxiety of mind or all united "'I cannot decide what was the origin of Count Tristan de Greymont's seizure. "'One side is entirely paralyzed, and the other slightly.' "'Can he be removed to his hotel with safety?' inquired Maurice. "'Assuredly not. The risk would be very great. "'It should not be encountered if there is any possibility of his remaining here for the present.' "'He looked questioningly towards the mistress of the house.' madeleine promptly replied these apartments are entirely at the service of count tristan and of his family if they will honour me by occupying them let as well returned the doctor let the count remain undisturbed until he is convalescent i will see him again in the evening dr bayard took his leave and maurice turned to madeleine this is most unfortunate it is a very great burden to be thrown upon you madeleine she interrupted him quickly you could hardly have spoken these words less kind maurice if this shock could not have been spared your father i am thankful that it fell beneath my roof he will be more quiet here than in a hotel and can be better tended if the countess will permit me i will gladly constitute myself his chief lord malade i have had some experience that inadvertent remark increased the agitation of maurice and he answered in a voice tremulous from the rush of sad recollections who can testify to that better than i do you think i have forgotten the good sieur de bonsecour whose movements i used to watch and whose features dimly traced by the feeble light of the views? I never ceased to gaze upon as she moved about my bed. Madeleine smiled and sighed at the same moment and then remarked, perhaps to turn the conversation. But your grandmother, I fear it will be very difficult to obtain her consent to count Tristan's remaining under my roof. She cannot desire to risk my father's life, returned Maurice, somewhat angrily i may as well tell her what is decided upon at once madeleine detained him first let me explain to you the arrangements i propose making if the countess will condescend to remain here i will have the drawing-room which opens into the room count tristan occupies made into a bed-chamber for her the apartment beyond it is the dining-room this little boudoir can be converted into a chamber for you. There is an apartment upstairs which I will occupy, and as Bertha cannot remain at the hotel alone, I shall be truly happy if she will share my room, or that of the countess. Yours, yours, exclaimed Bertha. Oh, what a pleasant arrangement, and how quickly and admirably you have settled everything, just as you always used to do, and nobody could ever plan half as well it will be your turn to play hostess and to them all cried gaston who would have believed such a revolution of the great wheel possible that's what i call compensation in this world for few things i know can make you happier and nothing can strike such a severe blow at the pride of the countess de grammont to find herself the compulsory guest of the relative she has despised and persecuted Gaston in his ardor and desire to see madeleine avenged had forgotten the presence of the vicomte but madeleine's look of reproach and her glance towards her cousin recalled his presence to the mind of her enthusiastic defender i beg pardon maurice said he i ought not to have spoken disrespectfully of the countess that is while you were by i understand and can pardon you gaston now i must go to my grandmother and learn what she says for i can see madeleine's fairy fingers are impatient to commence their magical preparations for our comfort he spoke sadly though his words were half gay in their import very few minutes elapsed before maurice returned accompanied by the countess she swept into the room, towering majestically, as though she could rise above and conquer all the assailing army of circumstances arrayed against her. Madeleine made a movement towards the door. "'Remain! I wish to speak to you, Mademoiselle de Gramont," cried the Countess in her most icy tone. "'Permit me first to request Miss Thornton to watch beside Count Tristan. He ought not to be left alone.' madeleine had been more thoughtful of her patient than of his mother and the latter could not detain her are you positive that your father cannot be moved i am not convinced that is out of the question the countess addressed these words to maurice the physician has just declared that the risk would be too great that question then is definitely settled it only remains for you to say how far you will accept madeleine's hospitable proposition hospitable do not talk of hospitality but of degradation what will be said when it is known that count tristan de Gramont was sheltered during his illness by his mantua-maker relative his tradeswoman niece there is only one condition upon which i can be forced to consent here madeleine re-entered and the countess accosted her mademoiselle de Greymont, the tide of fortune has for the moment set against our ill-fated house and our humiliation can scarcely be more complete you are aware that the physician you have employed and with whom I trust you are not in league, says that my son cannot be removed without danger. Yes, madame, and I hope Maurice has communicated the suggestion which I have hesitatingly, but very gladly, made for your accommodation. He has done so, replied the countess, with undiminished stateliness. As for myself, it is asking too much. It is an impossibility that I should stoop to make my abode here but while my son lies in his present state which i am told is alarming though i believe i am misinformed i as his mother should feel bound to visit him though it were in a pest house your offer is declined for myself and mademoiselle de maurice gives me to understand that he considers his place to be by his father's side night and day therefore for him it will be accepted upon certain conditions upon these only can i allow my son and my grandson to remain beneath your roof name them madame i will promptly joyfully comply with your wishes if it is in my power to do so you will immediately close your establishment that none of the transactions of the trade which has sullied your rank may go on within these walls you will then at once make known to the public your intended nuptials with lord linden i never had the remotest intention madame of becoming the wife of lord linden has he not offered you his hand yes and but for the accident which has wholly diverted my thoughts he would have received a distinct refusal before now what reason can you advance for declining so eligible an offer the same i gave at the chateau de Greymont nearly five years ago my affections belong to another madeleine spoke with a fervour as though she experienced a deep joy in thus proclaiming her constancy maurice with a stifled sigh turned from her and pretended to be gazing at the flowers in the conservatory and may we at last be favoured demanded the countess scornfully with the name of this unknown lover who has been able to inspire you with such a rare and romantic amount of constancy it is one madame i cannot now mention with any more propriety than i could have done years ago then it must be one of which you are ashamed but how can i doubt that has he not allowed you to become a tradeswoman has not the whole affair become a disgraceful and clandestine one you may well refuse to mention his name it can only be one which your family can object to hear you are right in one respect madame it is one which they object to hear but as i shall never be the wife of any other man yet never in all probability the wife of that one let the subject of marriage be set aside in regard to closing this establishment "'you are hardly aware of what you request. "'It would not be in my power to close it suddenly, "'granting that I had the will to do so. "'I should not merely throw out of employment "'some fifty struggling women "'who are at present occupied here, "'but would prevent my keeping faith "'in fulfilling engagements already made. "'I will not dwell upon the great personal loss "'that it would be to me.' i should be glad to believe you are convinced of the impossibility of my complying with your wishes do you mean to say you actually refuse i am compelled to do so but i will exert myself to render your visits private i will devise some method by which you will be entirely shielded from the view of those who come here on business you presume to think, then, that in spite of your insolent refusal, I will allow my son to remain here? Madeleine felt that she could say no more, and looked beseechingly towards Maurice, who exclaimed, My father must remain here, for he cannot be removed. I gladly accept my cousin's kind offer, and will remain to watch beside my father. Bertha and yourself can continue to live at the hotel and visit him as often as you feel inclined. Let me go, let me go. I am suffocating. I stifle in this house. Burst forth the countess as though she were really choking. I cannot remain. Bertha, I want you. Maurice, give me your arm. Let me get away quickly. Maurice reconducted his grandmother to the hotel, almost without their exchanging a word by the way. Bertha accompanied them, but she walked behind with Gaston Dubois. End of chapter 38